You know, uh, last year Dwight said as the, the Chiefs if you, um, were getting ready to, to play in the, one of the games, if they would have won, they would have made it to the Super Bowl. And he said, well, if they, if they win, I'm going to shave my beard. And they lost. So this year as they're making this run, I said, Dwight, like, you think you're going to shave your beard if, uh, if uh, the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl? And, and I asked him right now, and he said, probably. Dwight, let people see you, man. Stand up real quick. Look at his beard. How long have you had that? Five years. Five years? Oh, man. We're going to be calling him Delight. <laughs> so anyways, uh, you know, this, this, before we start, I want to tell you about a little conversion story that happened to me this week. Um, I have lived in Iowa for about two and a half years. Um, I, I never would have guessed I would have loved living in, in a smaller town, you know, but I love living in DeWitt, and I love Iowa, and... and um, there's so many things that, that I love about living here. But this last week, I went to um, an Iowa Hawkeyes wrestling match. And I already loved wrestling. But I went to this Iowa Hawkeyes wrestling match, and I had a conversion. And I'm just going to tell you guys now that I am now a proud, <laughs> proud Hawkeye fan. Like, like, this is my new team. I loved it. I, I, couldn't, I could not scream more, yell more, love it more. So, uh yeah, so I'm a Hawkeye fan. So this is what I'm preaching in today, too. I, but I doubled up, man. I'm sweaty already. But um, I wanted you guys just to know that as you see me jump on the bandwagon, you can mock me all you want, but I'm there, man. That was, uh, that was awesome. So, uh, you know, last week um, I preached on a parable and, and about Jesus that he told, and, and he told this parable about these two people who were in debt. One of the people in, in, in debt owed um, 500 denarii, and, and the other one owed 50. And neither could pay the debt back. And the lender, the person who loaned out the money, had compassion on both of them and forgave both their debts. And Jesus looks at this Pharisee and says, if after he forgives the two debts, which one's going to be more appreciative? Which one's going to love him more? And the Pharisee looks at Jesus and says, well, the one who's been forgiven more. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. You, when you realize that you have been forgiven of a huge debt, you love. Your response is to be thankful, to love that person who has erased your debt. And, and I want us to realize that Christianity is about being forgiven much. Our huge debt load has been forgiven to us by the work of Jesus Christ. So then after church last Sunday, I went home. And I, I uh, cleaned the house, I vacuumed, I shoveled the driveway, I did the dishes, I did the laundry, and then I squeezed in a little nap. Only one of those things is true. <laughs> and even that's a lie because I slept for like two hours on the couch. And when I woke up, I woke up to, to looking at text messages from, from my friends because the sports world was abuzz last week. Last Sunday, Kobe Bryant, at the age of 41, died in a helicopter crash, along with his daughter and seven other people. And when I first saw it, I thought, man, it, it, it can't, it's not true. It's probably one of those celebrity death hoaxes like that happens to Macaulay Culkin every year. Every year, Macaulay Culkin dies. And every year, then you see him eating pizza in New York City, and you realize he never died. It's just the internet and, and all the things that people say. So then I start to look at it, and I see it everywhere. I'm, I'm on all these websites, and, and 
And it's true. This guy at the age of 41 who's healthy dies in a plane crash and, and, and you, or a helicopter crash and you see people who were mourning. You see people who were torn up by this. His wife's mourning. His three other kids are mourning. His friends are mourning. Uh, the charities that he gave to are mourning. People who never knew him, like me, were mourning. And, and then I, I look on Facebook and I, and I look on Twitter and I, I see these other places and we see people who sit behind their screens and they start to say stuff like, how can you mourn the death of a guy who cheated on his wife? How do you mourn the death of a guy who's been accused of rape? How do you mourn the death of a guy who is, who, and, 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 and they're talking about all of his past sins. Never mind that Kobe said these words. It's, you don't really understand your faith until Jesus Christ not only carries you, but carries your cross. Does that mean I accept Kobe's actions? Does that mean that like, I'm proud of everything this guy did? No. But what I saw, and I mean this, I want you to hear this, what I saw was a number of Christian people were the ones chucking the biggest rocks. They're the ones who are talking about, how do you mourn the death of this person? And as I read their comments, I do something sinful. I think of their sins. I think of their mistakes. And I sit here and I'm like, you're talking? You, you think you have room to throw stones? Do you not see the plank that's in your own eye? And I'm just as bad as they are. I don't, I don't write it. I don't say it. I'm, I'm just as bad as them. I'm just smart enough not to say it and get caught. But we live in a world of second chances. And when, as I say that, let me say it this way. We live in a world that's second chances for me, but we live in a world that does not forgive. We live in a world that wants mercy when it messes up, but wants justice when someone else messes up. We live in a world that wants to be let off the hook, but wants another person to feel the full and whole weight of the book of the law being thrown at them. What does this mean? What does it look like? It looks like this. When I'm speeding and I get pulled over, I say to the cop, man, can you give me a break? Can you give me a warning? Dave Porter's my brother. You know, you make up stories and, and you, you, you do anything you can to get off it, right? And then when you're driving and someone blows past you, you say, I hope they get a ticket idiot driving so unsafe like that when you know you do it you know you've done it when you do it you want mercy and you want uh, forgiveness and when they do it you want them to get the ticket so then when you drive down the road a little bit farther and that person actually did get pulled over you're laughing right you never happened to you i do that all the time i'm a horrible person in that way but it makes me wonder how a people group whose complete message, what we talked about last week, was being forgiven much, can be the people with the strongest desire to not see other people receive forgiveness. Is that messed up? I've been your pastor for two and a half years. My ears have not grown since I've been here. 
Is that not messed up? It is, right? So what we're going to do today is we're going to be looking at a parable that Jesus says, another story time with Jesus, and this one comes from Matthew chapter 18. It's, it's, I hope I didn't say this last week because I actually mean it this week. This is like my favorite parable. You know, like when I've, I've written on this parable, I have five, like if, if we did this and we want to spend five weeks on it, I have five sermons that kind of go along with this one parable without overlapping. That's how much I like this parable. So hopefully today we can just look at it and, and see what Jesus is saying. Because for people who have been forgiven much, we need to be a people group who forgive much. Okay? So that's what the message is about today. Let's pray, and then we're going to read this text. Um, Dear Lord Jesus, may you have your way here today. May you speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls. May you be the one who, who convicts us. And Lord, as this message is being preached, you know, I just, I hope that you place people in our minds, that you give us a picture of them, of the people that we're holding back forgiveness to, that we're not forgiving them, even though we expect to be forgiven ourselves. Lord, would you speak? Would you move? Would you have your way? May your words be proclaimed. In your name we pray. Amen. Matthew 21, or 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And I'm going to say something about that. Some translations say 70 times seven, and, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but so then it goes on. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and the payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. All right, this text starts with a question. It is Peter, and he says, so how many times do I forgive somebody who sins against me? And he throws out a number out there at Jesus, and he says, how about seven times? 
Now, Peter didn't just start walking up to Jesus and ask him this question for no reason. See, earlier in the chapter, Jesus spoke and he gave instructions on what to do when someone sins against you, when someone, when someone does something to you that's not right, when someone does something to you that's not fair, or when someone does something to you that causes you hurt or pain or cheats you or cheats on you. Hopefully you get the picture. But Jesus tells them, when someone sins against you, it is only right for you to punch them in the face. No, it doesn't say that. Jesus says, <clears throat> what you are to do, and I hope you paying attention because, because someone will hurt you, somebody has hurt you, somebody will let you down, somebody has let you down, you have let other people down, you have hurt other people, so I'm hoping that you hear this. But earlier in the chapter, in verses 15 through 17, Jesus gives these words out, and Peter hears them, and Jesus says this, if your brother or sister sins, go and, and point out their fault, just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they have not, listen, take one or two others with you, along with you, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. There's so much in this, even this text, but we're not going to get to it all. But the whole purpose of what Jesus is saying here is when someone sins to, against you, when someone hurts you, go to them and, 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 and tell them the offense that they, they committed. And it's with the reason. There's a purpose behind going to them. What's the purpose? Is the purpose to, to hurt them? Is the person to, to make sure that you guys get even? No. It's going to them with the goal of winning them over. And then he says, if you go to them and they don't listen, take another person with you or take two more people with you. If that still doesn't work, take a, take, bring it before the church, but, but do so with the goal of winning them over. And so Jesus delivers these words, and Peter hears them, and this is new to Peter. And I, I think sometimes we forget that the disciples are learning, and they're walking with Jesus, and they're kind of like us. You know, you, you're reading something in the Word, you're spending time at church, and you hear something taught, and you start to wonder, man, how does that apply to my life, and, and what does that look like? And, 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 and it's the conviction of the, the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I think when Jesus talks about this, it touches Peter's heart, and, and Peter hears this teaching Jesus gives, and, he, and he's asking Jesus out loud as he walks with them, how many times do I forgive someone like this? Do, do, I, do I do it seven times? How about, Jesus, how about seven? And that number just doesn't come from anywhere. If you're looking and you're looking at different scholars and different parts of the Old Testament, there's a number of times where it says, you know, you forgive somebody about three times, and then at the third time, there's different actions that you can take. So many people believe that Peter says seven because then Peter is being as gracious as he can be. Peter doesn't just go with the law. He doubles it. He goes from three to six, and then he pluses one. He wants to make sure that as he goes to Jesus and he's asking this question, that, that, that he's being super gracious. And Jesus gives him a number that is impossible for him to track. It would be keeping a journal or a ledger of, of each person, you know. And it would be like, he says, you know, forgive them 70 times, seven times, you know. Forgive them so many times. And, 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 and I think Peter's mind in this, in this moment is blown. And it's like, man, if I were to forgive each person that many times, I would have to have a journal 
or a ledger, and I would have to have their name in it. And each time that, that, that one of my kids messes up, I have one for Ian, and then I write down what the fence is, what he did wrong, um, what day it was, and then I would be like making sure that Ian knows he messed up, and then I keep this book, right? I keep this record of wrongs. And then I have one for my other kid, Eli. And then I have like three or four of them for my wife. <laughs> oh, no. Just joking. Just joking. Okay. But the point is, if when Jesus throws out this number and he gives him a number like 490, if you sit there and you're like, I can't track it. I can't keep up with that, right? And that's the purpose. The purpose is not to make sure that, that, that you guys are, um, that, that they're aware of their sins. The, the purpose of it, of going to somebody and talking to them, is to fix it. It is to restore them. It is not to keep a number or a record of wrongs. But then we get to our text in, in, in verses 23 and 25, and it says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven, and this is Jesus talking to Peter, because Peter's like you and I. I, I often can read something, but I like to hear it in story form, or I like to see it played out, and stories usually get played out in my mind through my imagination. So this, this is what Jesus says to help Peter understand. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. In this, we see a, in this parable, we see a king who wanted to settle all debts that were outstanding. So he calls the man in who owes him way more money than he can repay. And at this point, let's be honest, it's, it's a parable. It's a story. But I want to make it real. I, I want you to think about a time when you've owed somebody money. Maybe even somebody money you've owed money to that you have not been able to pay them back. Maybe you've never had that. I know this feeling well. Growing up, my parents did not make a lot of money. And, 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 and not only did they just not make a lot of money, but I don't think they spent what they did have wisely. So there was times in my house when things were tight and it would be a common occurrence for us to have our electricity turned off or it would be a common occurrence for us to have our phone turned off. I remember a few times where we had to, where our gas was turned off and we had to heat our house with our fireplace and we took, we took showers at the school. And I'm telling you this because when, when you owe people money, you don't want to run into them. And I remember being at my house one time and my parents owing other people money and, and these people were looking for the money and, and they would call the house. And this was before we had cell phones. It was before we had caller ID. Like right now, we, we pull our phones out and we almost always know who's calling us. Well, we didn't have a clue ever back then who was calling us. So my mom and my dad would use us kids as caller ID. And they would say, hey, when, you, when, you, when the phone rings, I want you to answer it. And then you'd run over there and the phone's ringing. Remember, I'm not home if it's these people, and then I am home if it's anyone else. So then the phone rings, you run over, you answer it, and, oh, hi there, and then you, I'd say who it was, and then my mom would give me the, or the, right? 
and I would lie to these people. And I'm telling you this because when you owe somebody money and you can't pay them back, you live life, at least I do, with this, this, this feeling in my gut. I don't like not being able to pay something back. I don't like being indebted to them. And this man is indebted to, to, to the king. And the king calls on him and he, and he says, I want you to come in. And he, he, they bring him in and he says, it's time for us to settle our debt. And he hears what he is about to lose. He's about to be thrown into jail and he is going to have to work off his wages. His, his wife and his kids are going to, to be sold to help pay off what he holds, owes. And as he hears what's about to happen to him, he falls on his knees and he begs in verse 26 and 27. And he says, be patient with me and I will pay you back. And the master has pity on him and he cancels his debt. Again, I want you to think through this. I want you to think through owing somebody. Imagine somebody walking up to you right now and saying, you have tuition debt? I'm going to pay it for you today. I want you to imagine, you have a mortgage? Oh, I'm going to pay for that today. Imagine the freedom. Imagine the mental freedom. And this guy is standing before the king, and he's told that he's going to be released of his debt. And he leaves, and he, come across, he comes across someone who owes him money. Imagine, he owed the king this large amount of money, and he comes across a guy who owes him peanuts. And he grabs the man and he demands from this man that he pays him back his money. And before he even asks for his money back, he starts to choke the man. And when you look at the text, it says he sees him and he begins to choke him. And, and as he's choking him, he says, pay me back what you owe me. And the guy doesn't have the money and he has him thrown in jail. This is who Jesus is saying that we tend to be. We are the people who are forgiven of much, who have experienced much mercy and much grace, and yet we're the ones with our hands around the neck of another person. Let me ask you a couple questions. Who in the parable does the king represent? Who? God. Right? The, the parable... In the parable, the king is God. In the parable, who is the man who has been forgiven much or who had a really large debt and then is forgiven much? Us. And in the parable, I'm just going to tell you the answer to this one, the one who has the little debt is the person who sins against us. The way that people sin against us is nothing compared to what and how we sin against God. We love to be shown mercy. We love to be set free. We love to not be held accountable, but we do not love to be this way towards others. We have been so generously and so graciously forgiving. I want you to think about something. And I mean this. You cannot be in a marriage without being very forgiving. You cannot have kids without being very, very forgiven, forgiving. You cannot have friends. You cannot have coworkers. You cannot have employees. You cannot have a boss. If you are going to be one of those people who walks around and remembers the sins of every single person, 
you will eliminate everybody from your life. I was thinking about this today, and, 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 and we need to know something, that there's a, there's a cost to forgiving someone's debt. You know, I was thinking about this, and, and I was thinking about Matt's guitar stand there, actually. You know, every now and then after church, and, and Matt doesn't seem to care about this, but, but little kids run around the sanctuary. And, and when we like that, you know, we, we want them to run around and have a good time and, and let this be their house. This is, this is the place they get to come and have fun and, and not hear all the rules. Don't run. Don't touch the glass. Don't this. Don't that. Don't say that to them. We don't want them to know that. We want them to enjoy being here. But I was thinking about when the band used to be down here and, and, and Matt has that guitar stand and there's three guitars on it today. And I was thinking about little kids running around and knocking it over and, and two of the guitars get hurt or damaged. Those guitars aren't cheap, are they, Matt? No. I've asked him once, like, Matt, how much are those guitars? And he's told me, I'm like, and, and just look at everybody running around. But let's just say the guitars get knocked over and they're damaged and they have scratches and, and, and you know it's going to be expensive to fix. And the kid's parents walk up and they're looking at it and they know, like, I, I can't afford that. And Matt just looks at him and says, don't worry about it. I, I'll pay for it. I got it. The, the, the mistake, the debt was free to somebody, that kid and his parents. But there's still going to be a cost to Matt. Is that right? We look at this parable, and in this parable, we see the king, and there's a debt that's owed to him, and, and, and the guy cannot repay this huge debt, and, and, and the king cancels the debt. It's, it's free to, to the guy who sins greatly, but to the king, it comes at a loss, right? And then we sit here, and we look at this text, and we wonder... Where's Jesus in this text? Where do we see Jesus? We see Jesus be as, as the storyteller. The person who is telling the story is going to be the one who interjects himself into the story and able to pay for the debt of that which is owed. Jesus, we, we hear messages all the time and we forget that it's Jesus who, who came in this world and, he, and, he, and he, he, he lived a life and he paid for the sins. He was beaten, he was mocked, he was placed on a cross, he was hurt, he was forsaken. At what cost to you and at what cost to me? No, no, I'm asking. At what cost to you and at what cost to me? None. Those who have been forgiven much are called to forgive much. Yeah? Amen? Dear Lord Jesus, it is hard for us because we always see the hurt or the cost that's been pushed towards us when someone sins against us. We feel that weight. We feel that hurt. 
But Lord, may you help us to forgive others out of the deep and rich and gracious and generous forgiveness that you have given to us. May you help us to forgive in the same manner that you who told this story would forgive us. In your name we pray. Amen.